Hello and welcome to Night in on Negotiation, the podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Knighton. My philosophy is that you cannot change the other person you negotiate with, but you can change how you negotiate with them to achieve better outcomes for you or your organization. This podcast series includes interviews, lectures, speeches, and webinars, and includes materials from all four of my books. For more information and free resources, please visit www.jnyden.com. Enjoy. All right, so what kind of behaviors are you driving at? So we know that service level agreements drive behaviors and behaviors drive performance. So in this learning session, I'm going to outline why companies typically use SLAs. Uh, For some of you, this is going to be a good refresher for others that might be new to your organization. I will also talk about the three most common reasons that SLAs fail to drive the performance that the customers want. And I want you to really pay attention to those three reasons. There's many more, but these are the three that are the most actionable from a procurement and a supplier's perspective. I want you to also think about negotiating better service level agreements. So I'm gonna be talking about three best practices for negotiating better service level agreements. Those three best practices are really aimed at sourcing and procurement. I'd really like to see sourcing and procurement up your game with respect to negotiating scorecards, SLAs, choosing metrics that really benefit the entire company. And then I'm going to offer you a stretch goal of your own, an activity that I'm currently doing with a client that I think would be very beneficial for every single person who's listening to this learning session to complete on behalf of your own company. All right, so let's look at what kind of performance you want. So if you want good performance from suppliers, you need to drive the right behaviors. I know right now that suppliers are nodding their heads and they're saying sometimes we get service level agreements we don't understand, we get service level agreements we're not in control over, and we want to perform. I I truly believe this, I say this um, on a daily basis when I'm working with both customers and suppliers. Suppliers show up wanting to perform, but if you drive behaviors by how you establish your SLAs that don't look like performance to the customer's eye, then the misconnect or the disconnect is between the service level agreement and the behavior, and that's the customer's responsibility to understand what performance it needs and how to drive that performance from the supplier, because what you measure will in fact get done. I'm Jeanette Knighton. I'm the author and co-author of three books, including Getting to We, The Vested Outsourcing Manual, and Negotiation Rules. I provide technical customized contract negotiation training and coaching. I usually work with sales and procurement and usually at the same company. And as a result, I have a really good understanding of how suppliers show up wanting to perform in the ways in which they don't and how customers can sometimes get sidetracked in driving the right kind of performance from suppliers. So let's start breaking it all down. I wanna lay a few concepts out early so that when we start talking about them, we're all talking about the same things. Detailed statements of work or technical specifications describe the services, deliverables, or products that the supplier is going to provide. Service level agreements use metrics to establish the service level that the supplier commits to perform with respect to that statement of work or technical specification. 
A metric is a standard of measurement to describe a performance standard. And a performance standard is an accepted performance level give for a given service or a product. And you want regular review of SLAs to provide a framework for governance for monitoring the ongoing delivery of the service or the products. So basically what I'm trying to establish is that a performance standard is usually an industry standard, like 99% uptime in a data security system. But you might have different kinds of performance standards. So in an industry with a lot of turnover, a 75% retention rate for customers in a particular industry might be the performance standard. Now, for your environment, you might need a, a retention rate of 80 or 85%, or you might only need 60%. So your service level agreement may deviate from a performance standard that is documented across an entire industry for a service or for a product. And what I want to talk about is how do you negotiate that appropriate service level agreement for your company? We use SLAs um, to do a couple of really important things, and it's worth identifying them again. So we want to understand things like quality, responsiveness, if it's a call center, efficiency, things like that. It should be objective for determining ongoing performance. Now, I say it should be objective because we can certainly have subjective SLAs like customer satisfaction scores. It is also valuable to trend um, operational data. So what we want to do is we want to use this to look at trends and operational data for the rapid identification and correction of issues. So if you're collecting them annually, it's too late. You need to be collecting them a little bit more frequently and analyzing them for a go-forward process. They can also act as a foundation for making adjustments. So if you don't need a service level of 85%, then you can adjust it down and readjust a service level agreement somewhere else. And this is particularly important in call centers where you want to get the time to respond, but also you want to meet the customer's expectations for a technical resolution. So you might want to adjust these over time or for different times of the year. And it can be a very powerful means for extracting greater mutual business value if they're used, again, proactively, rather than for assessing liquidated damages, but actually for establishing how you will uh, operate in a business environment, for example, that might be changing. So there are three reasons why SLAs fail to deliver. And there's probably more than three reasons now that I think about it, but there's three that I'm going to talk about right here today because these are the ones that we can address really quickly. Companies set the wrong metric, so they use the wrong unit of measurement. They use what they have in place already, but it's not needed for this relationship. I see this all the time when I'm called in to renegotiate SLAs. Why are you using this metric? Well, that's what sourcing put in place. Well, but it may not be right for this relationship. They collect the wrong data that often happens, and so service providers and customers are at crosshairs about what the data says, or they collect the correct information, correct data, excuse me, but it's insufficient. So for example, in one scorecard, the, um, the company, the customer did customer service satisfaction surveys with the internal customers, but only two were returned. Well, that's the correct data. There were the correct questions, but two people returning it was not sufficient to determine whether the supplier met performance or not. 
We use the metric for the wrong purpose, meaning it doesn't really lead to a business objective. We measure a task or a process, task or a process that is completely outside of the provider's control. Every once in a blue moon, I still see these where the supplier really doesn't have any control over it, and it's a legacy metric. We want to do not want legacy metrics that are outside of the supplier's control. And there is an insufficient definition describing the service level agreement. That is huge. That's probably one of the largest one contributor factors for choosing the wrong metric. We don't understand what that service level agreement is. It's not defined in a way that the supplier and the customer can agree. So another reason why SLAs fail to deliver is that companies set the wrong target. So I'm gonna use a call center setting. The target might be 20 calls per representative hour, and that might be a performance standard that you research in the industry. 20, you know, anywhere between 18 and 22 might be the performance standard. Well, but when I go in and I start talking about why you're choosing this number, is it efficiency? Is it thoroughness of call? Is it the quality of the help provided? So unfortunately, in some industries, 20 calls per hour for highly technical problems having to do with uh, your Comcast service, for example, Qualcomm, whatever the the industry might be in, in your neck of the woods, that may not be enough to troubleshoot a problem, or it might be three minutes too many. So we have to start looking at while there's a performance standard for the industry, why are you setting the target? How is it um, reaching your customer objectives? Because when I start looking at the 20 calls, for example, and I say, well, who set the standard? If it's not the business unit and they've got customer retention or upselling as a huge part of what they want to accomplish from a call center, then 20 calls per hour may be the wrong target because we have to look at what I call the other side of the coin. What is the downside of this target? You're pushing a lot of people through to other technical representatives, that's wonderful. But if you're wanting to upsell, who upsells? The initial person on the phone or the technical representative? And then what's that technical representative's call time? So all these things have to be looked at collectively. And too often I see in sourcing and in procurement in particular, a lack of coordination between a performance standard that's an industry standard and the business objectives from multiple stakeholders. And this is something that I really would like to see procurement step forward and take responsibility for setting better targets based on um, internal business objective. So let's look at the third reason that SLAs fail to deliver. Misuse penalties and unaligned incentives. So I see this quite frequently. I see an overemphasis in service level agreements on reducing cost. So what does that actually mean? What does it look like? And again, what's the other side of the coin for reducing cost? Is the customer going to actually take some process away? Are they expecting greater innovation, greater continuous improvement? Then I'd rather see a SLA with an incentive that goes along with continuous improvement or innovation in addition to a cost service level agreement. There's also tends to be an emphasis on liquidated damages to recover for small deviations and trends over a short period of time. So trending something monthly might be super important to get um, a particular activity up to a certain standard, but 
does it fail to look at business fluctuations that are legitimate and should be factored into the SLA? Because if you drive your supplier very hard to meet a reduced call time, what other business objectives might be sacrificed in getting to a quicker call resolution in a service center? The other, um, sometimes that I see, the other issue is incentives that reward behavior that does not help business objectives. So again, this is where procurement plays an incredible part, coordinating everything. So if you want to drive for cost measures, greater call efficiency time from four minutes to three minutes, you also have to make sure that it doesn't interfere with marketing's objectives for the call center. It doesn't increase the salesperson's quota because you're losing customers and it doesn't impact any other part of service delivery. And that's the part that I really want to call on procurement to understand before you go into negotiations with your supplier on SLAs. So here, let's look at three best practices. You need to start from the business objectives. I know that this is starting to sound like a broken record, but when I start to probe with my clients, and I've just negotiated a couple scorecards in the last year, 2016, these business objectives are often not focused on all of the stakeholders for that particular service. So there's usually one stakeholder and sourcing, but we often have other stakeholders who need to be part of the setting up of service level agreements. Business practice two, try to establish the performance standard before you talk with the supplier. Again, you know, a lot of people say, well, of course, but what procurement brings to the table when I come in as a consultant to look at these things is often something that is predictable from sourcing. They haven't actually looked at the business case. They haven't looked at the technical specifications or delivery specifications and they haven't talked to their internal customer about what they need from the supplier. So it's that coordination that you need to get together before you bring the supplier in, because often the supplier will have a very different perspective if they've talked to the line of business about what the line of business needs than what the service level agreements are demonstrating in a standard scorecard. And then business practice three is to set up a mechanism for renegotiation. And this ties directly into the need to modify long-term contracts and have a non-legal dispute resolution process. These are things I do not often see being used, meaning there might be a contract modification process, a change order process, but the dispute resolution clause almost automatically moves from negotiation into some sort of a litigation or arbitration stance. Your governance process has to review SLAs, there has to be a way of modifying SLAs, there might even need to be contract change orders regarding service so that all of it can come together to drive the performance the customer needs. And in some outsourcing relationships, customers and their providers reevaluate SLAs, et cetera, annually and then modify statements of work. So I really advocate that as a best practice. Here's your stretch goal. Create a metrics definition document. I just finished negotiating a rather large multi-million dollar agreement with a client where I was the co-negotiator helping the lead negotiator. And we did not do this before the agreement signed because we're often running out of time. The good news is, is we're doing it now within the first few days of the agreement being signed. What is the metric? So what is the intent of this particular metric, meaning the unit of measure? 
measurement. How is the metric going to be measured? Who is collecting the data? How is it being collected? Some of it's coming from the supplier, some of it's coming from my client. And then how is the metric um, going to be interpreted? These are all very important things that we're putting together as we go forward with respect to the scorecard. Our goal is to ensure that all the parties capture, analyze, and act upon the metric in the same way so that it meets the service level agreement. So this is something that's very critical. My concern is that my co-lead is a very qualified negotiator. She has a very bright future. She may not be managing this relationship for very much longer. We know what our intentions were when we negotiated the scorecard. It is not, though, documented in any kind of um, additional uh, document or spreadsheet. So it's going to leave somebody else a little bit in the dark if we don't do this work. So this is your stretch goal from me to you. Thank you very much. And I'll see you next time.